Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today's episode is from our Lessons from a Birth sermon series, which looks at the events and characters surrounding Jesus' birth. We hope that this message is an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. I'll tell you, as a, as a pastor, probably one of the most challenging times of the year is Christmas time. And the reason is because of studying a series or uh, a passages to preach. Um, of course, pastoring here, we've been here now uh, eight and eight and a half years, almost nine. And I think I calculated it last year, but uh, this probably is the 29th or 30th message that I've preached on the Christmas story. You know what? And it's, it's challenging to find something new. But here's what's awesome. The word of God always has something new. No matter how many times you read a passage, there is always lessons that we can learn. And so we're gonna go into just a short little four-week series, and I've titled the series Lessons from a Birth uh, because I believe that when you look at the birth of Jesus Christ and all of the circumstances around it, there are plenty of life-changing truths around the birth of Jesus Christ. It's one baby whose birth literally changed the entire world and all of time. And so we're going to take some time to look at this. Today's message, uh, of, course, of course, Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1, is, uh, is entitled Speechless. How many of you have ever been in a conversation or in a situation where you just could not find the words to say. You ever had that in your life? Listen, I remember times in my life, and I know it's hard for you to believe, uh, but times when I was speechless. And uh, one of those times um, <clears throat> happened in November of 2003. November of 2003, uh, Hannah and I, we had uh, not even been dating, dating, dating. We had not even been dating. We hadn't been involved in a courtship or anything. We just met in July, got re-met in July. And uh, I told her I loved her a week and a half later. That's the time, if you remember the story, when she hung up on me. Twice. I'm not mad or bitter about that, but... I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we met in July, and uh, of course, about three weeks later, we, we really just knew that God had brought us together in, April, or in August. I told her dad I loved her, and he just stared at me. He said, all right, we'll see about that. <laughs> and if you know Pastor Perkins, I mean, that's him, you know, like, okay, I've got no emotion in this. And I remember that was August, September, I called, and I asked him, over, that, over the phone with that cracky voice, you know, Mr. Perkins, I'm calling to, <clears throat> to ask if I can marry your daughter. And uh, I remember he said, well, you told her you loved her two months ago. What took you so long? I was like, well, I'm sorry. He said, well, we'll be family, so I'll get to know you after that. Talk to you later. Bye. Click. Okay. Well, I remember then November came. And November, I had planned this, I had set everything up. I had talked to her and I had convinced her that, you know, through different conversations, I had convinced her that I was going to propose to her at Christmas. 
But my whole plan was we were traveling up to see some family in Kansas, and my whole plan was to propose to her uh, on Friday night after Thanksgiving in downtown Kansas City at the lighting of the city, this huge moment when they turn the Christmas lights on for the entire city, and it's just something really well known in that area, and so I had this whole thing planned, and... and uh, we're on our way to uh, on our way to the Kansas City for, for me to propose, and she doesn't know it. We're just going to see the Christmas lights, and we get a phone call from her grandma, and her grandma and I, I answer the phone, and she says, "Hey, how's things going? I saw it's going well. And you probably want to speak to Hannah." And gave the phone to Hannah, and her grandma asked her, "So what did you think about the ring?" And Hannah, I thank the Lord, she, she kind of caught on a little bit, but she said, oh, no, I haven't, I, have, I haven't seen it yet. He's probably going to propose at Christmas or something, and whew, all right, dodge that bullet. Well, then we get there to Kansas City. We go on this, we're getting ready to go on this horse and carriage ride, and I, uh, I had to tell a little white lie, and I'm like, hey, I'm just going to go talk to this guy and see how long it takes to wait in line for this horse and buggy ride. And I went up there, and I said, hey, listen. I'm about to propose to my girlfriend and I want you to take pictures of it. Here's a camera as well as little, you know, disposable cameras. It didn't have like fancy phones and all that. I said, uh, would you take pictures? He's like, yeah, I'll do that. And so right when she stepped up onto the, you know, she's getting up onto that horse and that horse carriage and, and she turned, I, I grabbed her hand and I went down to one knee and it was a really far reach. I didn't, I didn't think through that, but I remember I'm down on one knee and she's up a step and I propose. She starts tearing up and, and she goes, yes. In that moment, I was like, well, what do I do? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I was hoping she'd say yes, but like she actually said yes. And I remember she's, I stood up and she's standing there and I'm like, I don't know. I, was, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I was like, she actually said yes. And I was totally speechless. And she was too. It was kind of like staring at each other. And, you know, it was probably only like five seconds, but it felt like 25 minutes, you know, like. <laughs> do we need to, like, do we plan the wedding now? Like, what do we do? Man, those moments in life, everyone has them. Moments when you're speechless. That's a story of a moment being speechless. You ever had news that you heard? And right when you heard it, you just didn't know what to say. Maybe it was troubling news. Maybe it was good news. Maybe it was the first time you found out you were expecting. Hey, we're expecting. Okay. And all these things running through your mind. We all have those moments that we're speechless. As you and I come to Luke chapter number one and Matthew chapter number one, as we start this series on lessons from a birth, we're gonna discover that Mary and Joseph, when they first heard about the birth of Jesus Christ, they were both speechless. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do. By the end of the, of the discussion, by the end of the conversation, they knew exactly what to do, and we're gonna see that and be challenged with it this morning. But as we start, I want you just to see how speechless Mary and Joseph were when they were approached with the fact that they were going to be the parents to the Messiah. You're there in Luke chapter number one. Stand with me if you would. We're going to read a couple of passages. I'll read through them quickly this morning because they're rather lengthy. But Luke chapter number one, beginning in verse number 26, we read this story. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph 
of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, And shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. She was a virgin. She still had that virginity. I had never known a man. The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word, And the angel departed from her. That's the angel coming to Mary. I want you to see the angel coming to Joseph. Turn over to Matthew 1. Just eight verses in Matthew chapter 1. Verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. As we start this study of the Christmas story, we find ourselves looking into the lives of Mary and Joseph. And from the context of the passage, we would know that when they were first given the news, first confronted with the news, they were speechless. Joseph rattled around in his mind, what do I do with this? Mary cast in her mind, what kind of salutation is this? What do I say to this? And this morning, we're going to see not only were they speechless, but by the end of the message today, they had, they had a great response to the news that they were given. And I think this morning that as you and I reflect upon the birth of Christ, I hope that their response would be our response as well. And so let's pray and then get into the word of God this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Just uh, why don't you take a moment, and in the quietness of your own heart, just ask God to speak to you. You can pray something simple of, God, please speak to me. And then make a commitment. God, as you speak to me today, I'm listening, and I'm going to respond to you.
Dear Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for the word of God. We pray that you would bless the time. I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray, God, that today would be the day that they receive you as their Savior. Lord, I pray for everyone that knows you as Savior today, that you would speak to us and challenge us today. Help us to learn and help us to grow. I humble myself before you, Lord, and I pray that you'd speak through me. Use your word in the hearts of your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we come to both Matthew 1 and Luke 1, I want us to notice, first of all, the declaration that we see. There was an announcement that was made, a declaration that was given, both to Mary and to Joseph. Of course, we know that Gabriel came to Mary first, but then another angel went to Joseph. And as as you look at both of these passages, this declaration or this announcement that was made was something that would truly change these young people's lives. But before we see this declaration, I want you to notice just a few things about Mary and Joseph from these passages. I, I like to discover some thoughts from their lives as we go through it. And uh, so I just want you to see a few of these thoughts together. First of all, with Mary, I see a number of things. Number one, I see that Mary was a pure young woman. Uh, the Bible says that she was a virgin. Of course, we would know that she'd probably be about 14 or 15 years of age at this time, and she had not known, uh, she had not known a man. She was still uh, pure and still innocent in that. And as I look at this, and I'm challenged every time, and we'll see purity in the life of Joseph as well, uh, I just want to tell you this, that in our culture and in our day and age, uh, purity is lost in a lot of people. And I'm not going to talk with you about where you have been. I want to talk with you right now about where you're going in the direction of your life. I think we should apply many of the characteristics that we see, excuse me, many of the positive characteristics that we see in people of the word of God, we should want to adopt them into our lives. And I see Mary walking as a pure young lady, and I believe this is one of the reasons that she found favor with God was because she had kept that purity. She had kept that right heart with the Lord and not uh, allowed herself to be tainted with sin. And I think it's it would be good for us, regardless of where you have been, to determine, you know what, God, help me to live a pure and a right life with you. I see that Mary was pure. We see that in that statement, uh, just talking about her virginity in verse number 34, but uh, also when she said, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man. I want you to know, know very quickly that her virginity is a key in the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, I would be amiss to not, not, not uh, recognize this this morning. But one of the reasons I love uh, the King James Bible is because it protects the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. A lot of other, other versions of the Bible say a young woman. There's a big difference between a young woman and a virgin. And uh, that's not to, to attack any other scriptures or anything like that. I'm just thankful that we know she did not know a man. Why? Because she didn't have that sin line in her. And this goes back to Leviticus. We won't get into all that this morning. But it's of the utmost importance of Christ's deity that he was born of a virgin. So we know that she was pure. We also know, and I love this, she was a humble young lady. We're gonna see her humility towards the end of the message today. But she was a humble young lady. When it says that she cast in her mind what manner of salutation that should be, we'll see it in a second. It means to deliberate like a jury. She, She wasn't like, oh, it's about time someone recognized how good I am. The angel came and said, hail thou that art highly favored among women. And she's like, who, me? Like, are you kidding And she's a humble young lady. Man, if we're talking about characteristics that are disappearing in our culture, humility is one of them. When we look at the Christmas story, I think one thing we should always be reminded of is the humility of the characters involved. 
I see the humility in shepherds. I see the humility in Joseph. I see the humility uh, even in the wise men. They weren't there at the birth of Christ, but coming to see Jesus when he was about two years old. Uh, I see humility in that. I see humility in the innkeeper. I see humility all throughout the scripture of the Christmas story. We see the humility, and we see it here in in Mary. She was pure. She was humble. Uh, When you look at the phrase, thou that art highly favored, that means the one who's received grace. Well, who receives grace? Well, the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. She was a humble young lady. She uh, was pure, but also we discover, just just talking through some characteristics, the Lord was with her. And I believe that Mary had a relationship with God. Mary knew who God was. We see in verse 28, when the angel said, the Lord is with thee. She was a devout follower of Jesus. Mary, a devout follower of God the Father, of Jehovah God. Uh, We see that Mary had a love for Jehovah God. She wasn't like, now wait, who sent you? I'm sorry, whose messenger are you? And she knew, she knew God. She was one that even God's testimony of her through the angel is Jehovah, the Lord is with you. Man, what a testimony. I wonder this morning, I wonder if an angel, let's just say, now we know it's not gonna happen, but if an angel appeared to you, what would God's testimony be of you? Would he be able to say, hey, I'm with you. Hey, you walk with me. And what a challenge, the life of Mary. She was pure, she was humble, the Lord was with her. What do we see in Joseph? I see Joseph also, he's pure. The Bible says that he hadn't yet come unto Mary, uh, telling us about his purity. We already spoke about that. We find out that he was a just man. The word just, verse number 19 of Matthew 1, him being a just man, it means uh, that he was righteous. He was one who worked at being right with God. Man, he worked at being right with people, I believe. And I, I love the character of Joseph. We find him as kind and merciful. His kind and merciful is verse number 19. It says he was not willing to make her a public example, but was minded to put her away privately or privately. In their culture and custom, if a person was found in adultery, you could stone them. I mean, it would be your right as a spouse to stone them. And so here she is found with child. He doesn't know what to do, but he doesn't make a mockery of her. He's kind and merciful to her. And he, he's trying to balance justice and love and, and uh, trying to be truth and trying to do that which is right. And I see him being kind and merciful. But then I also see him as wise. In verse number, uh, verse number 20, it says that he thought on these things. Man, Joseph wasn't reactionary. He was prudent. He, he allowed wisdom to guide him. He took time to make decisions. And you say, Pastor, why do we go through all of these things? Because I, I don't think it's just a coincidence that God would look down and say, I want these two people as, my, as, as the parents of my child, as my child. It's not a coincidence that God said, I want these two to raise Jesus. Man, these are two young people. I mean, you think about it, Mary, 14, 15, maybe 16 years old, Joseph, 24, 25, 26 years old. In that culture, that was the custom, that was customary. And yet God looks down and he sees some young people who are walking with him, who have a a right heart to follow him. And you know what I'm challenged with? I'm challenged with, God, help me to have that. Help me to have that right heart that follows you. Well, getting back to the main thought this morning, there's this declaration, the announcement is given to them. Hey, you are gonna be raising Jesus Christ. Now, in all of this, what's being asked of them? I see a few things being asked of them. First, they're being asked to be the parents of God's son. Hey, that which is in you is gonna be holy. Hey, Joseph, that which is in her is of the Holy Ghost, is of God the Father, is sent from God. You talk about pressure. 
I mean, this is like, some of you are, how many had a lot of turkey? <laughs> All right, I appreciate what Micah said. We're still in kind of a food coma. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to wake us up real quick. You're being asked to raise God's child, like to be the adopted parent of God's child. I don't know about you, but that's a big deal. Because, you know, have you ever messed up watching babysitting somebody else's kids? You know, I remember growing up and when I was like 15, 16, 17 and my sister had her kids and then even when we were first married and, you know, in our early 20s, I remember looking at my sister's kids and I'd be like, Dawn, I would never let my kid do that. Your kids are, can I, can I spank them for you? They just need a good dose of uncle, you know? And I remember there'd be times when I would get on to him. Hey, what are you guys doing? I'd get on to him, you know, thinking I'm the mature adult. You know, I was 22. And I'd get on to him. And then I'd come to find out that I was wrong. And I'd have to go to my sister, my brother-in-law, and be like, hey, so, uh, so I made Jordan. You, everybody knows Jordan here, my nephew. I mean, you know, I made Jordan. Uh, I made him sit in his room for an hour. And I found out it was actually Levi's fault. Um, Sorry. How would that go over if it was God's son? Um, You know, Lord, uh, so James pushed Jesus. I thought it was Jesus' fault. So I put him on timeout. I was wrong. I'm sorry. You think through all of this, and you're like, Pastor, that's, that's a silly illustration. It is. But can you imagine all of the thoughts going through their mind? Like, we're, we're being asked to raise the very Son of God. We're being asked to bring up the one that, I mean, he is God in the flesh. This is what was being asked of them. We can see it, Luke one thirty two. he shall be called the Son of the Highest. Luke one thirty five. Uh, that which is born of thee shall be called the Son of God. They were being asked to be God's parents or to be the parents of God's son. They were being asked to be the parents of the Messiah. Now, they were Jews. They would know the prophecies about Messiah coming, and this is now being put upon them that, hey, you're going to bring out, you're going to raise the Messiah. You're going to raise the one who is going to, Matthew one twenty one. he shall save his people from their sins. Hey, this is the Messiah, Jesus. Jehovah is salvation, and they're being asked to, to raise the chosen one. He was going to be the one they would know from Scripture that he would be perfect. Parents, how would that be for you if you were to know that your kid, your child was completely perfect and yet you know all your flaws? You'd say, well, I'd like that. My kid is perfect. No, they're, they're not. Uh, only Jesus was. But you know what? They, would, they were raising the, the Messiah, the one who would save everyone from their sins. I mean, can you imagine the... Uh, it, it makes Luke, the end of Luke chapter number one, where Jesus is lost. You remember the story where they're traveling maybe for uh, his 12th birthday, 13th birthday, and they're coming back and they get a day outside of the city and they're like, hey, I thought you had Jesus. No, I thought you had Jesus. No wonder they're like frantic. Why? Because you're losing God's son. You're losing the Messiah. Can you think about all of that pressure and all those questions that are hitting them on this night in Matthew one and Luke chapter one? Parents of God's son, parents of the Messiah, they're asked to be parents of the eternal king. 
man, he's gonna be the one that reigns forever. Eventually, he's going to reign over you as well. You think about this, they were being asked for a lot of things. This announcement that's made to them, they, it's come and it, it confronts them. We see that declaration. But don't you see with me this morning as we move forward that there was an inner dispute that was taking place. With both Mary and Joseph, when they got confronted with this, there was a big struggle. There's a big struggle. What do we do with this? We find it first off, we find it in in Mary in Luke chapter one and verse number 29 when it says this. It says, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. When the angel first came to Mary and throughout the process, we read that she was troubled at his saying. When, uh, again, that phrase cast in her mind, it means to deliberate. It means to be out like a jury to try to figure out the truth. Mary, she was bewildered by the greeting from the angel. And one of the reasons is because she, she knew she wasn't anything special. She knew, so she cast in her mind. She struggled. Well, what is he saying to me? And then as the, as the angel Gabriel goes through the process with her and tells her all of these things, she began to question, well, how can this be? And what do you mean by this? And she began to just have this inner struggle going on. And I'm thinking right now, why would she struggle so much? I, I think it's probably because she knew who she was. I mean, you think about this, and this may not uh, be news to some of us, but uh, she wasn't from the best place in the world. You think about Nazareth. Nazareth would would be the northern part of Israel, just to the uh, west of the Sea of Galilee. And Nazareth, it was was really just a a nothing town. It was looked down upon. Nazareth was one that people moved away from, not to. And it was really known because of a Roman garrison that would be there. And uh, you can know in uh, John 1, 46, Nathaniel said, can any good thing come of Nazareth? Are you, are you kidding? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? People in Nazareth were looked at as kind of the, uh, the lower end of society. And those that were uh, not uh, revered and those that didn't hold offices and those that didn't make it to the uh, Jerusalem. They they made it for feasts, but they didn't move up in offices. They didn't get uh, positions of authority. I mean, these were people from Nazareth and perhaps Mary, knowing she's from just a little, the little town of Nazareth. Nazareth's grown now. This is what it looks like now. Uh, You look over the hills, the precipice right there in Nazareth, just uh, right there north of where we were. But Nazareth wasn't a big city like it is now. It was just a little podunk village. No wonder Mary would cast in her mind, what's he saying to me? Why is he saying this? There's this struggle going on within her. And in this culture, she was not only probably not respected because of where she lived, but she was just a teenager. What did she know? What could she bring to the table? What, should, what could she offer Jesus? What, why would this angel be greeting her in this way? There's this inner dispute going on. She's speechless at this news and the announcement. We see it also in Joseph. Matthew 1, 19 and 20. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. Saint Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now we know from the passage that Joseph, he had probably heard from Mary what was going on. So I imagine from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, that Mary had come to him. 
Maybe she was in month three or month four, or maybe it was, you know, the, the day after. And she goes to Joseph, hey, Joseph, I'm expecting. But wait, 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 wait. Before you think anything, an angel came to me. And an angel told me that this is miraculous. And I'm going to give birth to the Messiah. That's, that's whose child I have within me. Now, if you were Joseph, are you going to go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, pfft, completely understand. No. Man, you're going to begin to make the assumptions, aren't you? Man, she, she's been cheating on me. Wow, I can't believe she would do this. She's playing the role of an adulterous woman. Wow, what in the world? And that's, that's where we get him saying, you know what? I'm not willing to make a public example, but I'm going to put her away privately. And, and he began to think on these things. The, the phrase think on these things is almost like the phrase cast in her mind that we find Mary. He began to deliberate. Well, what do I do with this? I, I mean, I'm speechless. I don't even know what to say. And there's this inner struggle with him wondering, what do I do with our relationship? I mean, uh, no doubt there's doubt in his heart. He's not just believing her. And then we find to overcome that doubt, the angel comes and speaks to him. But meanwhile, there's this dispute. Mary and Joseph, they were experiencing that inner struggle, that inner dispute. Here's this declaration that's been given. Here's a dispute that they have. But I want you to see thirdly and lastly this morning their decision that was made. Because in this story of Mary and Joseph, we find that they're presented with just an enormous task. They're going to be the parents of God's son, the parents of the Messiah, the parents of the one who would be king. They're going to have to go through the mockery of her expecting before they're married. That means in that culture, they'd be looked down upon not only for just those nine months, but for their entire lives, this stigma would be over them of, you know, you guys are the ones that had a baby out of wedlock. And in our culture, it's kind of culturally acceptable. But in that culture, it was not. And in God's culture, it is not. God says, no, I want you to be married before you have children. And this is, in their lives, God, this is, uh, would have been a huge thing. And so what would you do? Well, we look back in 2020, right? We, well, I know what I would do. I'd do the exact same thing they did. I don't know if we would have, but we do, we do discover, I don't know what I would do, but we do discover what they would do and what they did. Well, what did they do? Well, we look at Mary first. I love the spirit of Mary. Luke 1, a great verse to memorize. Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Joseph's response, Matthew excuse me, 1, 24 and 25, Joseph being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Both of these people, Mary and Joseph, confronted with this choice and you know what they chose? They chose two simple things. They chose humility and faith. They chose humility and faith. When I look at this, I see they chose humility and faith. I see their humility first off in, in their surrender. They humbly just surrendered to the Lord. 
I see it in Mary's phrase, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. You know what she's saying? She's saying, hey, the phrase handmaid, I'm a bond slave. I'm, I'm an absolute servant. She says, hey, I'm just a servant. I, I, I turn over my plans. No doubt as a young lady, and I preached this last year, uh, she had her plans. Man, 14, 15 years old, she's thinking, here's what I've got for life. Here's, I'm going to marry this great carpenter, and we're going to have this great life together, and, and we're going to live here, and we're going to buy that type of a house. And she had planned her life out, and here she is saying, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. I surrender it all. Now, what was she doing? She was humbling her heart before God, saying, hey, I give you everything. Hey, what you're asking of me is a great task, but I humble myself to you. I humble myself before you. I'm going to let you work your plan through me. What an incredible humility that this little 14 or 15-year-old had. Lord, work your plan through me. We see Joseph's humility in his surrender as well because it says that when he was awoke, when he was raised from sleep, he did as the Lord had bidden him. He accepted responsibility with no hesitation. He said, I humbly obey the word of God. He didn't get up and seek for some sign or some more information or more confirmation. He just got up and he humbled his heart and said, all right, I accept the responsibility. And when you think about their humility, <clears throat> I wonder how you and I respond when God speaks to us. You see, the truth is that God's word still is speaking into hearts today. And his word still speaks into our hearts throughout the week. Throughout the days of the week, God's, God comes and, and, and encourages you, but God comes and maybe challenges you in an area. Maybe God comes and says, hey, I want you to, I want you to take this step. Are we humble to say, all right, God, behold, bond slave of the Lord. I humble my heart to you. I surrender to you. God, whatever you want, I surrender. God, I surrender my mornings to you. I humble my heart before you to recognize I need you. You know, when I think about Mary and humility, Joseph and his humility, when I reflect upon the story of Jesus, it should be humbling that he even came for us. When we think about the birth of Christ, man, the first thought should be humility. Why? Because we don't deserve him. And you and I, we don't deserve a savior. We don't deserve a relationship with an all-powerful, almighty God that loves us and desires to help us and, and grow us each and every day and encourage us and strengthen us and comfort us. We don't deserve that relationship. And yet that's why he came. He came to bring life and to give it more abundantly. I see humility in them, but I also see this area of faith. You look at Joseph, it's, it says that he just, in faith, he just went forward. Man, he just accepted the word of God, obeyed it, and took that faith step. You know what Mary said? Be it unto me according to thy word. There's a faith step. I humble my heart before you, and I trust you with the outcome. Man, the step of faith. You know, we see through their actions and through their words that they had an unwavering faith in God. I mean, you think about this, God spoke some pretty incredible and life-changing plans into their lives and things that humanly speaking would be impossible. And yet they believed God. They simply said, we trust you. 
Their faith was completely rewarded though, wasn't it? Because they got to raise, they got to raise the Messiah. They got to raise Jesus Christ. But you know what's interesting? They knew who Jesus was. And I imagine they probably told the siblings of Jesus who he was. But you know what's interesting to me is the siblings of Jesus didn't believe until after the resurrection. So that means they, Mary and Joseph, were raising in their home the Messiah, whom they knew to be the Messiah, and the other siblings who doubted everything. You thought that would bring, you think that would bring some conflict? You think that would bring a little bit of frustration in the home with your kids? Hey, don't, don't treat your brother that way. Like, I know who he is. Like, this is not going to go well for you, you know? And yet, here they were at the beginning of it, just saying, Lord, we trust you. You know, the birth of Jesus Christ, it should stir within us a heart, a heart of humility and a heart of faith. When we think about the birth of Christ, it should cause us not only to humble our hearts before him, God, thank you, we don't deserve you. But when we think about the birth of Jesus Christ, it should stir faith within us. You know, God in his word, he's still asking you and I to take faith steps today. God's not gonna ask you, listen, God's not gonna ask you to raise Jesus He already came once and died once and that's all that needed to happen. An angel isn't gonna come to you and confront you with some ginormous step of faith. But this week, as you spend time with God, God's gonna ask you to take some steps of faith. Maybe your step of faith is gonna be to uh, use one of those tracks and invite somebody to be your guest during the Christmas season. Man, that's a step of faith. You know what you need to do? Take it. Trust God. Maybe your step of faith is going to be to start tithing. God, I, I don't know how. You, you asked me for 10%. I don't know how I can do that. Maybe it's to start giving like that. Maybe your step of faith is going to be to take God at his word that if you'll apply some principles as a parent, that he'll, he'll shape your parenting and shape your children's lives. And your step of faith is going to be to apply biblical principles to how you parent. Maybe it's going to be in your stewardship. God, God has so much to say in the word of God, not just about giving, but how we manage our, our money. Maybe that's gonna be your step of faith. Maybe it's gonna be in prayer or Bible study. I don't know what your step of faith is, but I do know this, that God calls every one of us to take those steps. And so when I look at the life of Mary and Joseph, I wanna be challenged by their faith and by their humility. Before I close this morning, I just want to say simply this, that maybe you're here and the decision you need to make is to humble your heart and put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Maybe you're here and you don't know if you died today that you're going to heaven. You don't know where you'd spend eternity. Can I tell you the entire reason Jesus Christ came is so that you could have forgiveness of your sin, a relationship with God, and a home in heaven. That's why Jesus came. He came so that you could have forgiveness. He came so that you could know him and he came so that you could spend eternity with him in heaven. And the birth is just the beginning because Jesus was born to die. And 33 years after he was born, he was crucified on a cross for your sin and for my sin. And the entire reason he did that is because he loves you. And maybe the decision you need to make today is, God, I humble my heart and receive you into my life. You see, a person knows for sure they're going to heaven. We receive God's forgiveness, not by what we do, 
but by what God has already done. We receive him into our life, not by our good works of going to church or getting baptized or of, of reading the Bible or anything good. No, we receive him into our life by simply asking him to forgive us of our sin and to be our savior, putting our faith and our trust completely in him. And maybe this morning, as you look at the story of Mary and Joseph, you'd say, wow, I'm, I'm so glad he came. Well, I hope I can learn from that. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, the best decision you could make is to ask him into your life today. If you do know Christ as your savior, when you reflect upon the story of Mary and Joseph, the beginning of the birth of Christ, would you ask the Lord to help it remind you, God, help me to live humbly before you and help me to take the steps of faith that you ask me to take, just like Mary and Joseph did. They were speechless right at the beginning, but towards the end, they knew we're gonna humble our hearts before God and take the steps of faith that he asks. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that this sermon was an encouragement to you and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. If you have any questions about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.